Paul did not hide the infirmity. He did not go into denial. He did not run into a corner. He did not say, I'm finished now. I can't do anything from God. No, God is going to give him such grace, sufficient grace, that he may turn that weakness into his strength. And he goes on to say, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What does this infirmity do? It drives us to prayer. It drives us to trust in God's strength. Listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher. And today we are looking at, well, two things. One is euthanasia, death culture in Canada. There was a strange article in the Vancouver Sun today. This is February 6th when I'm recording this. But there was a strange article about bullying in hospice centers where government officials are forcing the issue of providing euthanasia services. This is causing great division and fear. People who feel their calling is to provide health care are now uh, brought into the category of providing death services. This is an absolute scandal in our society, and it is a part of the culture of death. We're going to address that at the end of the program today when we look at this matter, and so I hope that you'll stay tuned. And I'm running this article each day because it's so important, and it is the reality of where we're at in our country in Canada, and it only outlines the urgency of preaching the gospel and defending the Word of God. Now, today we're turning to Hebrews chapter 4, where we're looking at the issue of Christians have a high priest too. Uh, That means that because we're a Christian, we don't lose what Old Testament Jews claimed to have their own high priest. We have one too. He's the Lord Jesus, and he's in glory praying for us. Stay tuned now as we let the Bible speak. We are to be reminded that we have one in God's presence, praying, pleading, and seeking God on our behalf. And so the line of argument is this. We have a high priest. It was being denied. They said, but these Christians have nothing to see. There's no sacrifice. There's no blood. There's no priest. There is but the Bible and the preaching But where is the high priest? And the answer is given. We have a high priest who is in the heavens. Therefore, let us hold fast our profession. Don't give up. Don't go back. Don't lose sight of where our Savior is. He is there in the presence of God. Now, every man and woman needs such a Savior to represent him. You need that today. You need one at the right hand of God who is praying and pleading for you. And this passage reminds us that Jesus 
is right there. He is now presently pleading, praying, interceding for us, because no man can go directly into the presence of God. And that's why we are exhorted to always pray in Jesus' name. We need a mediator, we need an intercessor, and we pray in Jesus' name because he is there praying for us. And so that is good news. And that is the answer to all the objections and to all the arguments against uh, Christianity and the wonders of our salvation. Now, the next aspect in verse 14 is not only we have a high priest, but we have one who is full of sympathy. He can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Did you read that right there in verse 15? For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Now, that's a double negative, and it's put in there because there must have been a problem with earthly high priests who had no feelings for the people, who didn't care, and he was just fulfilling an office in a rote manner. He had no real interest. But this high priest, our Lord Jesus, he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He is able to sympathize and enter into the needs of his people. Now, the law of ministry is that nobody cares until they know that you care. That's the law of ministry. You don't want to go to a church where nobody cares. You don't want to be under uh, a pastor or a church fellowship where they won't pray for you, they won't take your needs to the Lord, they won't come alongside and show at least some understanding of your situation and try and encourage you through and to help you from the Word of God how you can claim God's power and grace in this very situation. You want someone who cares. And the message is loud and clear. We have not an high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And truly, when we sing, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. We do have a friend. We have one who understands and who is able to sympathize. Now, if you go back to chapter 2 and the verse 18, you will see uh, this reference to the Lord Jesus succoring or helping. For in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And that comes up again in chapter 4, 15, uh, but was in all points tempted like as we are. We have a sympathizing Savior at God's right hand as our high priest praying for us, and he understands the power of temptation. Now, Christ never sinned. He never yielded to temptation. He overcame every temptation, but he understands the power and the infirmities, the weaknesses of his people. He always helps. The sympathy of the Lord Jesus runs very deep 
to every one of his people. He is filled with compassion and with pity. And out of his perfect human nature, the Lord Jesus meets every need and every infirmity of man. Now, every one of us struggle with infirmities. Have you ever met the perfect person who has got the perfect body, perfect health, perfect speech, perfect diction, perfect ability to explain his own walk and talk, who's got the perfect wife and the perfect children, and everything is just absolutely totally right on for that person. No. Every one of us is burdened and inflicted with infirmities. Some of them are constitutional. Some of us people are uh, introverts. Others are extroverts. Some people are really talkative. Others are so quiet. Some love to tell the story of their inner life. Others shy away from expressing it at all. We feel sometimes in the company of others inadequate, self-conscious. We have problems even telling the story of our own salvation. Sometimes we lose the assurance, and other days we're full of assurance. And all of these things are the infirmities of our human constitution. Christ knows those things, and he is able to succor and able to help because he is the perfect man. He is the one in whom everything is right, and we can go to him in all our needs and in all of our cares. And then there are our physical infirmities. I don't think there's anyone here today that would say, I have perfect health. We all suffer from something. Some people with headaches, some people with stomach problems, some people that can't digest proper normal food. Their diet is awfully restricted. Other people who have uh, ailments of many, many kinds. We have physical infirmities. Some people have been injured. Their body doesn't function the way it used to function. Some people suffer from disease, and these become weaknesses and infirmities. What is the Christian to do with his or her infirmities? Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and to verse 5, and we will learn from the Apostle Paul's attitude to those infirmities of the body. We're talking now about something physical, something that is a a hindrance, a a problem in the body. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 5. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. Now, because we have context here, we begin to see what these infirmities were. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which 
he seeth me to be or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now notice it's the flesh. It's his physical person. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And so Paul reasons, not only do I have a physical problem, but the reason God gave it to me was to deal with my pride. Lest I be puffed up because of all the abundant uh, blessings or uh, revelations that he received, it was given him to be a leveler that he would not rise up in pride. And then he says in verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And says, I don't like this. It's not nice. I'd rather be rid of this. And so he prayed three times, three separate occasions, when he called on God to be done with this physical infirmity in the body. And here was God's answer. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So, Paul did not hide the infirmity. He did not go into denial. He did not run into a corner. He did not say, I'm finished now. I can't do anything from God. No, God is going to give him such grace, sufficient grace, that he may turn that weakness into his strength. And he goes on to say, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What does this infirmity do? It drives us to prayer. It drives us to trust in God's strength. It turns us from trusting in ourselves to trusting more in the Lord. And in that way, it strengthens. It is God's messenger to us. It becomes what could have been a problem becomes a blessing. And you, in the Christian life, because we have a high priest at the right hand of God who understands our infirmities. That's what we're told here in Hebrews chapter 4. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the infeeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. We can go to the Savior with our ill health, with our limitations, with our disappointments, and even with our sins. When we are tempted of the wicked one and we fall prey to his ways, we have one who understands. He is the sympathizing one who cares, and who gives grace to make us overcomers. Now, when you get to the verse 16, you will see that this throne of grace is the place of power in prayer. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What is the church prayer meeting? It is really the hospital of the church. It is where all these people with their infirmities and with their limitations and their struggles and their cares, 
and they come to pray, and they plead the name of Jesus, their great high priest, and they're told to come boldly, not sheepishly, not thinking I'm a failure. No, God gave me these problems that I might bring them and thereby glorify God. Now, two things are set out in verse 16 that we receive when we go to the throne of God and to the Lord Jesus. One is mercy. Mercy for our sins. And we need that continually. And when you go to the throne of grace in prayer, we come with our sins. And we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he pleads for us. So don't allow sin to defeat you. Don't allow guilt to rob you of the grace and the power of the Lord in your life. Go to the Savior. Plead his mercy. Enjoy forgiveness. Enjoy the pardon that is offered to you. And get the victory that the Lord will be your helper. The other thing is promised here is grace. Grace simply means strength to live a godly life. The Lord gives us strength. We go to the mercy seat. We go with all our failures and all our infirmities, and we confess our weakness. Paul did that. And he talked about glorying in his infirmities and in his weaknesses. And in so doing, he pleads for strength, power to live for God. And you'll notice that you're to come boldly. Don't say, we can't say that to a proud sinner, come boldly. But we say it to the broken sinner. And we say it to the soul that is thumping his breast and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Come boldly. Come assuredly. Come expecting blessing and expecting help. I wonder today, are you making daily use of your high priest? of his mercy, his compassion, and his grace to your soul. That's our privilege, and that's our victory by coming to the Lord and pleading his grace. So I leave with you these thoughts today in Hebrews chapter 4, and I trust that we will never say we don't have a high priest. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Never let anyone deny you and rob you of that blessing. We're going to sing the hymn now, I Have a Shepherd. Yes, we have one who cares. He is our true friend in time of need. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us again as we bring the message of God's Word. Today in our segment on righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people, we want to look at the right to die. Canada is facing a culture of death, from opioid overdoses to people that die at their own hands, or call on doctors for medically assisted suicide. Never before has life been so devalued and so cheapened. As a gospel minister with the Word of God as my guide, I am called on to answer the question, what is wrong with our society? But when we realize that culture and society is made up of the thinking and behavior of individuals, the real question is, what is wrong with the human heart? 
This hit home to me recently after a late-night hospital visit to a terminally ill patient at his family request. When I found the ward where he had been admitted and introduced myself, I was immediately asked to leave, not by hospital staff, but by the patient. He had no interest in me reading the Bible with him, nor in prayer for his soul. With a heavy heart, I had to leave. To add to the darkness of the scene, I learned just days later that he had been euthanized. A social worker from Fraser Valley Health came around to his bed and offered him the possibility of medically-assisted suicide. He chose to have it, and at his own request, a medical professional came to his bedside and administered a deathly drug to end his life. As to his soul, we can only tremble. Does God give us the right to take our own lives? This will be answered very differently whether you believe you are created by God or that you are the product of evolution. If you believe in evolution, you believe that you are here in the world by the workings of blind chance. And if you believe that you are the product of chance, you may well adhere to the notion that no laws govern your existence, nor your behavior, and there is no one to hold you accountable. You then feel free to do with your own body as you please. You will also believe that you have no soul, and you will be annihilated after death. With that kind of thinking, you will most likely seek the pragmatic answers to suffering and pain. You will seek the easiest option possible, with no thought of life after death, even though you have no assurance that you will be better off after your life is ended. The attitude will be, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. To you, life is cheap, expendable, and a mere extension of the disposable society where we just throw away our trash by such things. On the other hand, if you believe that you have been created by an all-powerful designer and life-giver, and that you are a creature of his making for his glory, then your attitude will be very different. You will see that you are special and have eternal value, and then you will accept your Creator has the sole right to rule over you, to give you life here in this world and in the world to come which makes you of eternal value. You will accept that God created you with your gifts and your talents for a special purpose, and that each day He gives you life, you are called to live for His glory. Then also, if you believe that you are made in God's image, a reflection of the upright and moral character of God, who has given you intelligence to know right from wrong, you will understand the operation of your conscience, that inner judge of all that you do, think, or say. Then you recognize that you are a moral being, with eternal value, with a soul that will never die. To go one step further, the redeemed Christian knows that he is not his or her own, but is bought by the blood of Christ. Our bodies belong to the Lord. We are his property, not our own. It is the Lord who gives us life, and he alone has the right to take it again, as Job testified over the death of his children. We read in Job 121, and Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, 
and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the conviction of all who love the God of the Bible and follow the Lord's word. Human life that is divinely created is of eternal value, and being made in God's image, we take the command of God seriously. Thou shalt not kill. Sadly, we now have doctors of death in Canada who ply a trade to put patients to death. Now that legislators have made it legal to do so, it hasn't taken long for suggestions to follow that it is the legal right of all citizens, notwithstanding age or circumstances, to choose death over life. The clear line that life is sacred has been crossed. Life is made cheap, and now the discussion begins on the practice of euthanasia that it can cut costs to elder care in Canada. With staff shortages and money shortages, the obvious answer is already in the minds of too many in the business of administering health care to seniors, and that is the cause of a great deal of fear to all who enter high-level care or are admitted to hospices. Reports of these fears and concerns are showing up on our daily newspapers. Rod Taylor, leader of the Christian Heritage Party, pointed out almost two years ago, when Hitler began purging from German society those whose lives he described as not worth living, he was allowed to do so by a complacent public. He began with the feeble and the mentally challenged. Those who were not feeble and those who were not mentally challenged allowed him to proceed. By the time he himself committed suicide, surrounded by Russian troops in his bomb-shattered Berlin, his final solution had extended to Jews, Poles, and other groups, and had engulfed the war in a war that cost over 60 million lives. The excuses and denials of his early purges had given way to flagrant killing of innocents, and his culture of death had swallowed up his promises of making Germany great again. Being there, done that, are we so blind that we would willingly repeat the mistakes of the past? I end the quote by Rod Taylor, leader of the Christian Heritage Party, who pointed this out in a communique almost two years ago. While governments attempt to build in some safeguards to the system, such as insisting that two doctors sign off on the procedures to euthanize, we know human nature is ever inclined to beat the system or go beyond the ethically blurred lines to practice what is economical or convenient. When a society denies God, claims to be bound by no higher power or code of ethics, it can only spiral downward to cheapen life even further. As the Bible would put it, when the fool hath said in his heart there is no God, then the same fool will do foolishly, whether in the employment of government agencies or the business of elder care. Then we face a culture of death. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.